The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and I am super excited to be here with you today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. I want you, if you will, just take this adventure with me. Imagine living a life of peace right now, right now, because today in this moment is part of the every day that we're talking about. And I want you to know as you're imagining right now, no matter what's going on, I know it may feel like chaos, but in this moment, there is the possibility, if you would just allow for it, to experience peace, whole, complete Nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. I want you to know that, yes, everyday peace is possible. Yes, you deserve everyday peace. And yes, you can have everyday peace. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. Now, if you missed last week's interviews and last week's show, I want you to know that you missed inspiration, you missed encouragement, and you missed support in some of the best ideas to help you move forward on your journey to living your best life. But not to worry, you can access last week's shows and our entire library of shows by subscribing to the Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Or you can listen to them on the Unity Online Radio org website. Another great place to get everyday peace content and stay up to the moment with the latest and greatest of information that's going on in the everyday peace community is by visiting our new and improved website, which is drdravonjames.com. This website includes transcripts from past shows, words of wisdom and encouragement, excerpts from my book, Freedom is Your Birthright, contact information and i want to just pause right there on the contact information i want to say a huge thank you to many of you who reach out to me via email it's absolutely okay but a lot of your information is available on the website especially those questions about um, coaching and uh, coming out to speak at your organization just fill out that little content um, information there and we will get back to you with those answers as quick as possible so 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Still always a pleasure to read those emails that come in through Drayvon James um, at yahoo.com. So you're welcome to continue to do that. And I invite you to visit the website, drdrayvonjames.com. Visit often as we update and put new information up there for you. And um, new course information, free courses. We got another free course coming out. So finally got that much awaited course um, coming out for you guys. So free stuff on that website as well. So bookmark that website and visit it often. Well, as I mentioned, and I keep mentioning because I cannot believe that it's already, you know, we're almost through September, that we started off our year with a theme, our anthem was what are we waiting for? And I hope by now we all know the answer is nothing. We are waiting for nothing, which means now is today is the day to take action on the life and dreams that we want, the goals that we have. So we have two wonderful guests here today that are going to help us and give us great tips on how to do that. We have certified leadership coach and celebrated author, Victor Vicky. I'm so concentrated on saying this last name properly, you guys. So it's Vicky Zalabar. I said it wrong, Vicky Zalabar. Um, so she's going to correct me and get it properly because I want you guys to really pay attention to this information that she's going to give us today because it fits right into our theme of the year. What are we waiting for? Nothing. If it's going to be, it is up to me. If it's going to be, it is up to you in your life. So we've got to we've got to embrace that leadership role. Our second guest is spiritual teacher and author Cynthia Morgan. She's going to be with us today, and she's going to share with us the when, the how, and the where to reset your life. How amazing is this, guys? To reset your life and achieve your spiritual awakening. So two wonderful guests here today to help us achieve the dreams and the goals that we set out 2021 with. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to talk about our to have our everyday peace moment and to talk about something that we've been talking about for the last couple of shows. And that is how to kickstart ourselves, how to get started. You know, we talk about everyday peace, peace being whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. And I'm aware that in there, there's a lot to take in. And you may be saying to yourself, well, you have so many things going on in your, in your life and so many things that are distracting you from your goal. That happens in all of our lives, right? And I always say it's a great opportunity for us to practice, right? We get opportunities to practice all day long. And those opportunities show up as distractions, some small, some quite big, but all of them are meant to sharpen our focus, to turn us back to the goal and to let us know that letting go of the past and embracing the now is required if we want to build a beautiful tomorrow. So we've been discussing how do we let go of the past? And if you will permit me, I'm going to just go back and give you a few of the tips, tips that we talked about. It's staying active and not taking anything personal, right? We don't take personal, you know, realize that everybody's on their journey. It's not a personal attack against us. Stay tuned into this moment so we don't miss the magic of this moment. Yes, there are chaotic things happening. Yes, there are things that we wish they were not happening. But right in the middle of those things, there are things that we should be grateful for. Some of our dreams, some of our answers, some magical things are happening in, in the moment. So being able to stay in this moment is important. And so those are two of the items that we went over. We also talked about um, letting go of the belief that we are not enough. Can you imagine you not being enough? All that you've done, all that you've achieved, surely you are enough. So let go of that false belief. And today we're picking up another tip and that is 
let go of making decisions based on the opinions of others. I know that sounds crazy. We don't even believe that we do that, right? But we do. We let how someone else, our neighbor, the person at the store, <laughs> our, you know, our children, our spouses, we let them make decisions for us because we are so concerned about what other people are going to say. What we are waiting for to live the life of our dreams should be nothing. Let's let nothing stand in our way as we make the conscious decision to let go of the past and embrace today. So that is our everyday peace moment. With that, we're going to go to our first guest, and I'm going to say it right this time, Vicki Zalavar. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Drayvon. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And the last name is pronounced as Naver. Oh, it's a I'm tough so one, though. <laughs> I cannot say it. I said it properly when we were off the air, everybody. That's okay. We're so happy to have you here because although I keep messing up your last name, I got to tell you, uh, your story really touches my heart. Um, the perseverance, the, the the decision, right, not to quit, and this beautiful book that you've written, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us a, a lot about this book and what we're going to get from this book. Oh, sure. And again, thanks so much. I love the messages that you're putting out into the world, and they are very consistent with my own personal philosophies. So I worked 42 years in corporate America, and, you know, starting out like a lot of us, you know, I had a challenging childhood. I wasn't able to go to college in the normal, traditional way that people go right after high school, but I was a really great student, and it was always a dream to be able to go to college, and when I was 21, I started taking night classes, and after 15 years, I was able to get my undergraduate degree and then ultimately went on to get an MBA uh, at DePaul in Chicago um, while, while also raising three children. And I know you're a mom, too. Um, so we, we share a lot in that regard. Um, and, you know, I do think that what I learned as we, I reflect back on my life and what I wrote about is that what matters so much to all of our lives is being able to show up as who we are. And when I, I left my last position, I made it to the C-suite as a chief human resources officer for a bank. And I left in March of 2020, and I, I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. And so now seemed like the perfect time as we were entering into the pandemic and, and all of that. I had a lot of time to reflect. So I sat down, and, and my publisher suggested that I write something that I felt strongly about. And I felt strongly that each of us is a beautiful person that, you know, if we can dig deep and figure out who it is that we are, we will realize with great certainty that we have something wonderful to offer the world. So I did a ton of research. I researched hundreds and hundreds of academic journals and read other people's books and, and that type of thing about this concept of authenticity. So, you know, it can become quite a bit of a bud buzzword if we let it become a buzzword, but I knew it meant something. And what I learned is that there is no specific definition to authenticity, but the working definition that I came up with was the following. Know who you are, know what matters most to you in the world, 
and then show up in the world in a way that reflects that to the extent that you wish to do so. And what I mean by that last bit is it matters that you know who you are, but you don't have to go to life and you don't have to go to work and tell everybody your deepest, darkest secret. But you want to be able to be able to decide how you want to show up in the world. And with that, I, you know, I sort of embarked upon helping the reader walk through your life's pivotal moments. And I know that, um, Drayvon, in your show, in your intro, you talk about letting the past go. And I completely agree with that. But I would say it is important to know how your past has influenced who you are and who you have become. So I help the reader walk through pivotal moments. Um, then when it, I talk about what matters most, those are your values. And I help the reader identify your personal values and then showing up in the world in a way that reflects that, you know, those, your, your values in a way that you wish to is really your, your path to purpose. So I help the readers uh, identify a purpose statement that will, you know, help you understand what's most important and how you want to show up in the world and what you want to achieve. And the last bit I'll, I'll put here uh, is that the reason I call this Authenticity Reawakened is that this happens over and over and over again in our lives. You know, as we get older and are blessed with, you know, more years on this planet, we get an opportunity to learn and grow, learn and grow. And who you are at 30 isn't the same person that you were at 20. And at 50, you're not the same person as you're 30. So each of those learnings continues to show up and influence, you know, once again, our values and our purpose. Oh, everything you're saying is so beautiful. And I agree. Our past helps to give us some idea of who we are. And it, it gives us some skill sets because whatever we went through, we went through, we were really remarkable to come from there to where we are. Your journey is, has a lot of similarities with mine. And uh, I don't want to discount that. You're absolutely right. It's not that we want our past to go away. We want to use it instead of letting it use us. It's not meant to keep us stuck there. It's meant to say, hey, look what you've done and look who you've become because of that. So absolutely. I, I, and you've said so many things here that I, I want um, to go back just a little bit and talk about identifying values, because I find that a lot of times people struggle with this. Two things that I find in my coaching business, people struggle with identifying their values and developing their boundaries mm. right? two big points and so in the book can you just give us a few tips on how people can go about identifying like yeah this is a value this is something that i that i hold dear it's important to me sure and you're absolutely right that people do struggle with those things and you know a lot of times we might if someone says well do you know what your values are you might say of course i do but I really believe that you have to write them down, that there has to be a visceral reaction to them. So when I think about values in one of the tools uh, in the book, so is, you know, you start with identifying a pivotal life moment. So I'll walk you through the process. One of my pivotal life moments was when I was in first grade, my family, because of our chaotic situation at home, et cetera, they, I wasn't really encouraged to do homework or to, um, you know, show up in class 
prepared or anything like that. But I was a you know born a, a moderately intelligent person. So in first grade, I didn't do my homework, didn't do my homework. But one day I decided, oh, okay, I'll do my homework. And I went to class and I was prepared for the first time ever. And I was so prepared that the class clapped because it was so unusual. And I today, many, many, many years later, I can tell you today how I felt in that moment. That's what I mean by a visceral reaction. And what I felt was I was proud of myself for having been able to do the work and actually doing it. And I thought to myself, you know what, when you do your homework, good things happen. And so in that moment, I would say it changed me forever. I became an exceptionally good student, and I always did my homework. And even to, you know, as I went through the professional world, I learned doing your homework and being prepared are really good things. They really will never, you know, harm you if you can just do those things. So if I go a little step further then, so what are my values? Well, my value, one value would be preparation. I really appreciate when other people are prepared and I work really hard to be prepared also. Um, you know, I am, uh, I value curiosity. So I stay curious. It's helped me be a lifelong learner and I value that in other people. And in my book, I share many other stories, but I walk you through that similar process to sort of help you get to a list of 10 or so values. Oh, I love that. And that visceral, visceral response as well, because what is it that you feel that changes you, right? And I think so often, I love your example, because here you are in the first grade, and I can relate. I was kind of that student, too, until I realized, oh, gosh, life is so much easier when I show up here. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I value the easy road. I don't know, but I just felt like it was so, so much easier. When I, but uh, yeah, and I love the fact that you said, so, you know, you had this feeling, you know, um, and that feeling encouraged you. You still can feel that today. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, um, you know, we have a lot of listeners here of all different ages and, you know, uh, how, that, what if you've gone through your life? People are, my, my question really is, People are more apt to remember the things that make them feel less than than remembering the things that make them feel great. How do you get people to tap into that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're absolutely right. And I'm probably just as guilty as anybody else. So, you know, I, I do think if you go into this process about thinking about your pivotal moments, you could start with that exact question. What pivotal moments in my life did I experience where I felt I was at my best? I was doing my best. I was of service, whatever it might be to help you sort of nudge you along with a a particular memory. That might be a wonderful way to dig deeper uh, on, you know, to get something that's really positive too, because it is important not only that you avoid doing the negative things, but that you certainly continue doing those things that really bring value to yourself and to other people. Yeah, I think that's a real key point. You're looking for that thing that where you felt like, oh my gosh, this is where I was giving my service. And, and, and sometimes I may add that you may not have that external thing where people notice, but you know how you felt. You know that that was the spark for you. And, and going back and capturing that pivotal moment, I think I agree with you, really can spark um, this 
oh, these are my values. This is where I feel like I'm getting at my highest. Absolutely. I love that. And so we're writing down on time a little bit. Tell us uh, where we can find the book. And then we'll go and ask a few more questions. Sure. So you can find the book, Authenticity Reawakened, on Amazon. That's probably the best place to go. And I also do a weekly blog, and I'm very active on social media. So you can visit me on Vicki's Neighbor. That's V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. And uh, my website will take you to uh, all the information that you could possibly need. Oh, I love that weekly blog, too, because there's so many things. And I do leadership coaching, and I like to say this for our listening audience right now, too. It doesn't really matter where you are trying to do your leadership. You could be going to the C-suite, as Vicki did, or you could be trying to lead your family at home or even lead yourself out of one situation to the other situation. We're all leaders, so I would encourage you to take advantage, especially of something that's happening weekly. There will be times in your life that you really are looking for something. You'll be amazed by um, getting hooked up with a leadership coach and following that process, that that topic, just when you need it, happens to be the topic of the week. So um, I don't want to mess up your name, but just give us that blog, that, um, that website one more time. Sure, it's vickysneighbor.com, V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. Awesome. So I've got another question for you. Um, how do you advise people to face their fears at work? Uh, big thing, you know, now, especially when we're, we're in the post-pandemic or somewhere during this pandemic situation, and uh, people are still wanting to advance their careers and they're still wanting to do creative things. And we're still having the same uh, emotional response that we we're having before the pandemic. People feel like maybe I, I won't be heard or maybe my viewpoints are different on this point than other people's viewpoints. How do you get the courage to face those fears uh, at work and at other places as well? Yeah, you know what? Fear gets in our way a lot. And so I do walk the reader through many, many different kinds of fears in my book. I actually will, I list many of them. But if you can actually, number one, um, Jack Canfield, who wrote The Success Principles, often says that fear is fantasized experiences appearing real. And I don't want to make it light. Fear, fear can certainly is not a light topic and it gets in our way. But um, if you can say to yourself, actually name what your fear is. So if you say something like, I worry that if I, and then fill in the blank, do something, think something, say something, whatever that might be, then what will happen? Ask yourself, what will happen to me if I speak up in a meeting? What will happen to me if I ask for the promotion? What will happen to me if I ask for the pay that I, that I actually deserve? And start writing those things down, and you realize that nine times out of ten, your fear, you know, it's okay to ask, and it's okay if somebody says no. Then you know what you're dealing with, you know, as you have to move forward in your career. So, you know, I think it's just trying to hone in on exactly what it is that you're afraid of and then taking baby steps to overcome that fear. It'll get you a long way. And every single person, no matter who your manager is, we've all faced rejection and we all are afraid of something. So knowing that about other people will help you have more power in your own voice. Oh, I love that. We've all faced rejection, and that's so true. Mm-hmm. That's a human emotion. Everybody feels fear. And I, that principle that you just talked about, the success principles, I love that by Jack Canfield. And I always say that when you shine the light of awareness on those fears and those worries and say, I worry that, 
all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, none of these things are as bad as I thought they were. The outcomes are not going to be that bad. And that leads me to my next question about this curiosity. You talked about that being a value of yours, that you value curiosity in other people. How would you say that curiosity plays a role in success? You know, if you continue to stay curious, you will always be learning. And there's always changes in the world that we have to continue to to learn and and grow through and and all of those things. And I just also think as it it relates to relationships, a lot of times in the corporate world, someone might have a, I don't know, they want to have one up you or something like that. And they might sort of um, talk to you in a condescending way or, or something like that. But I think if you can sort of get that push past that and say things like, I wonder what such and such might be like if we tried it this way. Or I wonder if, and, you know, just ask a question, whatever it is that you're curious about, continue to say, I wonder if. And when you can really feel that question and say, I wonder if, you know, I will write another book. I I ask myself that all the time. Or I wonder if I can become a better extemporaneous speaker. Or I wonder if I can actually get through a master's degree. Whatever those questions, whatever your goals are, continue to just stay with a mind of curiosity and be open to you know, new experiences. I I think when you do that, you're going to be amazed at what it is that you'll learn and how you'll grow. I think that's wonderful, too. And having that question, our self-talk is so very important. And so when you ask that question, I wonder if, right, you give your mind an opportunity to explore the possibilities Mm -hmm. without putting any pressure on yourself. So it has so many benefits to it. One, you're opening up to curiosity, and two, you're not automatically shutting it down. You're not putting pressure on yourself. You just I wonder if, <laughs> and I think that's so important. If you think about it, that's sort of how a, how a child's mind works, which is why they can achieve so many things. I, I have two college students. I'm always amazed at how much they can do in a semester, right? Uh-huh. And because they have that curiosity, that spark, Right. And I think that's a great way asking that question. I wonder if it's a way to generate that curiosity and that spark in us as well, too, and let our mind fantasize on the positive for a little while and just play imagination like, oh, well, if I did that, this could happen and that could happen before you know it. I think that also would help to minimize the fear. Well said. (laughs) That's beautiful. So we got two major tips here. I don't want to leave without uh, our audiences having those. If you have a pen and paper, I always encourage our guests to write things down. Um, I worry that is a way to face those fears and shine the light of awareness on those, right? And they Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, when you turn the light on, the boogeyman goes away. And then the other phrase is, I wonder if. It's a way to open up curiosity and open yourself up to new adventure. Vicki, I want to thank you for being our fabulous guest on our show today. You have really been um, amazing for us and given us a new way to look at leadership in our own life. Thank oh. you so much for being part of our uh, guest panel today. Thank you, Drayvon. I love your show and I love your work and best wishes always. Oh, same to you. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and this is Everyday Peace. I am super excited about this second guest. We have Cynthia Morgan. She is a spiritual teacher and author, founder of the retreat called the Desert Reset. And she's here with us today, and she's talking about, she's going to share with us how to reset. Have you ever had that space in your life? I know I have a couple times where I just wanted to pause and push the reset on me. Because I know that in my physical journey, as I said earlier, if it is to be, it is up to me. And sometimes I need to get out of my own way. I need to know how to reset, when to reset, so I can achieve my spiritual awakening. And that is exactly what Cynthia Morgan is a specialist in. She is a spiritual teacher, and that is her specialty. So we are happy to have you on the show today, Cynthia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give us a little bit of um, background about how you became a seeker and what, you know, what were your influences Sure. Well, um, I had an unusual upbringing. Um, My father was a seeker. And so in about November 1973, I think I had just turned eight years old, my father got interested in transcendental meditation. Um, It was popular at the time. The Beatles were into it and that sort of thing. It was on the cover, I think, of Time magazine around then. So there was this surgence of meditation happening, a wave. Um, throughout Western culture, and, um, you know, the uh, Maharishi had brought it from the East to the West, really for the first time, and so my dad got wind of that as a seeker, and he had the entire family initiated into Transcendental Meditation at that time, and so my conscious spiritual journey began very early. Um, I was given, in Transcendental Meditation, you're given a walking mantra, they call it, if you're, um, I think, under 10 years old. Um, so you're able to just walk around and say your mantra over and over in your mind to kind of calm your mind. And then after 10 years old, you're expected to sit and meditate as sort of the classic uh, traditional idea of meditation that we think of. But I do remember early on, um, at around eight or nine years old, like walking to school and repeating my mantra and playing on the jungle gym and repeating my mantra and not really having a clear understanding at a young age of what I was doing, but there was some sense of comfort in that, like having some tool or technique or word that I could rely on. Um, And then it just kind of progressed from there. Like as a teenager, my dad continued to seek and really got into the Seth books. Um, If you're familiar with Jane Roberts' work, um, those were always laying around our house and I would pick them up and read about, you know, altered states of consciousness and the nature of personal reality and things like that, metaphysics and things like that. And then, um, you know, he really, um, Seth was one of those first, well, I was going to say people, but he's a spirit guide. Um, he was one of those first spirits to say, you create your own reality back then, like in the seventies. And so, that became kind of a mantra in our house, and my father um, really instilled it in us, um, me and my brother, at an early age that we create our own reality and to pay attention to our thinking 
and using using visualization techniques and the such. And so, you know, because of that early, early programming, so to speak, that early background, it just stuck with me. And so it's a natural jump for me to be a, I'm a board certified hypnotherapist now. I've been leading guided meditations, you know, for 35 years, that type of thing. So anyway, um, it's, it's just been a journey of seeking <laughs> to overcome my own self. <laughs> Right, and I wanted to spend a little bit of time on that term, and I know it's very familiar to you and I, but just in case we have some listeners, and I'm sure we do, who may not understand when we talk about, you know, being a seeker. How would you define this? If you say, you know, I'm a seeker, what would you say would be a great, simple definition of that? Uh, I think it's just a seeker of truth, and I think that there is, you know, universal truths in every religion, every spiritual path. Um, distilled down in every serious spiritual path, there's just really one truth. And so however you get there, whether you get there through science, you get there through religion or meditation or yoga, you know, you're really just seeking the truth with a capital T. And, um, and when you hit on that truth, we've all hit on a truth in our life. And when we hit on that, we know it and we feel it. Yeah, that's, a, I love that. Very simplistic secret of the truth right, the thing that connects us all, right, that has to be there. And I know um, from, uh, first of all, your book, let's talk a little bit about that because it is amazing. You're already hypnotized, right? I've read it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I, I Amazing, amazing read and very captivating and very useful. So um, let's talk a little bit about that book because I, I would encourage our listeners to to, to get it. I, I got it on audio and, and it hit me a whole bunch of notes and I had to go back and uh, buy it, <laughs> the written copy. But uh, Well, first of all, thank you. That's very sweet of you to say and very generous. And I'm so glad that it meant something to you. That book was um, a full on labor of love. It took me 16 years to write that book. And it really created an existential crisis in my life because um, I set out, I became, I eventually I guess I should back up and just say that um, at around 19 or so um, in the mid 80s, I became, uh, my father had sent me um, A Course in Miracles, the set of books, The Course in Miracles, and I had never heard of it. This was about 1986. And, um, and I, a series of events led me to seeking um, truth even deeper. And I looked into these books that my dad had sent me. And I didn't know much about it. You know, when I was um, growing up, even though my dad was a seeker, we weren't religious. And so the terms like God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Christ, Son, um, those words were not used. It was very alien to my vocabulary. And so my dad actually didn't want us to go into church, to traditional churches and funerals and things like that growing up because he didn't want us indoctrinated with any fear. And so, um, I mean, this is his perspective. And so we, um, so when I received A Course in Miracles from him, it was very confusing because it uses traditional Christian terminology, as I'm sure you know and your listeners know, but in very non-traditional way. So I was very confused by opening up these books and saying, like, the Holy Spirit. And I was like, why is my dad sending me this book? And, um, but uh, he had seen an advertisement for it in the back of, by the publisher in the back of some publication and ordered it. And, you know, as a seeker himself, he was always 
trying out new things and trying to find the truth for himself. And, you know, he just sent it to me and said, here, I think you might like this. And, um, and I eventually did, and I eventually started delving into it. And it really um, has been the guiding principle of my life ever since. And so I decided fast forward about 12 years, I was teaching, um, like leading um, a course in miracle study groups. And then I decided to um, uh, become a hypnotherapist because I was was really studying the course on a very deep level and trying to understand what it meant by ego and the unconscious mind and these unconscious dynamics of projection and it used a lot of psychology terms. So I started studying a lot of Freud at the time and, um, and Freud started talking about hypnosis and I, I, so I got like really deep into, you know, fell down the rabbit hole of like Freud and hypnosis and of course the miracles and the ego and what is this all about? And, um, and then uh, I eventually just became so kind of obsessed with this idea of hypnosis that I went and um, studied hypnotherapy and became a board certified hypnotherapist in 2002. And so uh, I was so profoundly changed by hypnosis. Uh, it felt like my transcendental meditation, my doing the workbook lessons of A Course in Miracles, all of the teachers I had listened to and the books I had read, everything had led me sort of to this intellectual understanding and at the top of this mountain. But it was only when I did hypnosis and hypnotherapy in my training, because I just wanted to understand my own mind more and understand the A Course in Miracles more is why I went to go um, train as a hypnotherapist. I just really had this sort of, I was compelled to understand hypnosis more um, as a tool um, for enlightenment, as a tool for greater awareness, as a tool for healing. And so I profoundly changed, um, you know, all this whole journey to the mountaintop um, for most of my life. Uh, I, I, even though I was at this mountaintop, I still had these like specific fears that started kind of bubbling up within me, these ego fears. And it wasn't until I did hypnosis at my training that all of those dispelled and they disappeared and I thought oh my gosh this is miraculous like it's like I had walked up and there was a door and hypnosis was the key to open up this door and I felt free and so I became a hypnotherapist um, really to share what I had learned and um, the healing that I received in my training and I didn't set out to become a hypnotherapist per se, but rather just to understand things, which, um, you know, led me to my career. But anyway, I decided to write a book on, a, um, on hypnosis and, um, kind of just this guide. And as I was writing that book, I, it, it became very difficult for me not to interject the principles of A Course in Miracles. And I kept like deleting the course stuff that would just flow through me. And because it had been such a huge part of my learning and understanding and the vision with which I saw the world. And I kept trying to separate them, hypnosis and A Course in Miracles. And I just kept thinking, why can't I write this book? This hip I just want to write a simple little hypnosis book. Why can't I write this? without interjecting all this Course in Miracles stuff. And then it just became this real existential crisis for me. Like, like how come I can't do this? What am, I, what am I doing? Why can't I separate these two? And then I had this revelation that really 
you know, um, it's all the same. It all started from the same place. And so once I kind of understood that, I then um, allowed A Course in Miracles and Hypnosis to blend. And that's where um, the book was born. So, Oh, and it's an amazing book. But you said something that I want to go back to. Um, because first, let me say that uh, you're already hypnotized. The title alone got me because I thought about how we don't realize that the mantra, we're all repeating a mantra of fear and of some sort. And we practice it over and over again if we're not conscious, right? And so it does lull us into this sort of hypnotic state. And so um, deliberately coming out of that and moving into a space of wholeness is so very important. And you mentioned that, you know, even though you were you were enlightened, you were doing the work, and you, you still had these fears inside of you. And I know that there are a lot of people, our listening audience included, who find themselves in that predicament. They're doing the work, they're they're spending the time, and but they still feel uh, bogged down, if you will, or delayed, or slowed down, or overcome by some sort, some level of fear. And you mentioned that hypnosis helps you to clear that. What about hypnosis was able to do that? And can the average ordinary person do that? A person who doesn't have your background or your years of study on just, you know, being in the moment and or seeking truth. Yeah, well, the, the title of the book, You're Already Hypnotized, um, is something that I would say, I had a practice in Los Angeles for about 18 years, and um, people were noticeably nervous about coming to a hypnotherapist, even though I was always everybody's last straw. Like, I've tried psychotherapy, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, you know, you're my last hope. I would hear that, you know, so frequently. And um, I always loved that, actually, because I was like, great, I'm glad you tried all of this because you're going to see how powerful hypnosis is and how much it's going to change you. And um, but people were nervous, albeit, you know, we are hypnotized by what we think of as hypnosis already. Just the word um, puts a little bit of fear into us because it's this idea of Hollywood movies and television of loss of control and, you know, somebody mind control taking over our thoughts and our thinking. And, um, and so in order to kind of allay in that fear and dispel that myth, when clients would come in, the first thing I would say is, you know, you don't need to be afraid of what happens with me in this office. Um, you should be more concerned about what happens when you leave the office. You should be more concerned about, like, how you're getting programmed so to speak, by authority figures and television and everything that's happening outside of here. I'm really a de-hypnotherapist. All of us are already hypnotized. I'm going to de-hypnotize you, um, deprogram you, so that you can get back to your own truth. And so that was always something I said to people, um, you know, to help them understand how I perceive hypnosis. I really don't believe I do hypnotherapy. I really believe I do de-hypnotherapy. Um, and so and so, the name of the book was just something I would always say, you're already hypnotized. Just let me help you become a little more clear and a little more free of fear. So, um, 
But yes, you know, I will say in terms of um, addressing your idea about people still holding on to fear, no matter how much spiritual growth they've done. I mean, that's really true. And um, it's, it's even true that the more spiritual growth you do, sometimes the more fear you have. And so if you can notice that and accept it, because what it is, is the ego railing against your serious intention of letting it go. So fear is going to pop up even more sometimes for spiritually evolved people or people who are on a serious path. When you set that intention and say, I am going to create more peace in my life. I am going to undo my ego. I am going to become more enlightened. You're really setting this energy in motion and you're telling your ego, I don't want to believe you anymore. And so the ego is going to rail against that and it's going to come out in other forms. It could come out in anxieties. It could come out in depression. It could come out in maladaptive behaviors. Um, For me, I started developing fears of like dying. So I developed a fear of flying, just hallucinating, debilitating fears on an airplane that it was about to crash and I was smelling smoke. And I was on my way to like spiritual studies with Dr. Kenneth Wapnick, the foremost scholar of A Course in Miracles. And so, you know, this was well into my studies, but my fears started popping up because I was serious about undoing them. So if that makes some sense. Oh, it does. And I'm going to pop over. We have a caller that's been on the line for a little while waiting to speak with you. So let me just take this caller. Hello, you're on the air with Everyday Peace. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and we have our fabulous guest here, Cynthia Morgan. Did you have a question or comment? Yes, I had a comment. And she kind of answered my question about um, fear, dealing with fear, but I had another question. But my comment was, I, I think it's very fascinating what you're doing, and I, I love the concept of um, dehypnotizing. It makes me think of um, the matrix and how, you know, they were trying to get people out of the matrix, and, and I guess that's kind of what we're in when, as you said, we, we should be worried about how we're regulated by the things outside of us and how we let that regulate us without sometimes even thinking about it. It just becomes rote. So I thought that was fascinating, and I like that. I've never heard that term before, dehypnotizing people, but I I love it. That's great. And my second question was, how do you, um, when you you do your dehypnotizing, do you help people deal with guilt? So if, you know, you've done something or you've hurt people and they've forgiven you, not forgotten, but forgiven you, and learned from that is, um, as Dr. Dravon's last guest talked about, um, learning from your past and moving forward, and Dr. Drayvon talks about that too. But the, the whole concept of, you know, you feel guilty and then you don't feel like um, you deserve anything good because of what you've done to others. Do you help people with that? Well, thank you, first of all. And um, secondly, yes, yes. Uh, I think hypnosis can help with that. So um, I don't practice individually anymore um, because I do retreats and um, I have an app that's a hypnotherapy-based app that I just created. Um, And so I have other means of like helping people with that. But, but when I was in practice, you know, what, what you just said is really the core issue within everybody. And that's guilt. 
and it comes down to self-forgiveness. And so hypnosis, you know, we can intellectualize this concept of like we need to forgive ourselves. But when you when you go into a state of hypnosis, you're going so deep into your own mind. You could say you're going into, um, you know, your higher self. And and when you get into that state, you recognize that um, all that exists is forgiveness. And so it's hypnosis is so helpful because it takes you out of your intellectualizing conscious ego mind and it transports you out of the matrix to a higher perspective where you see things, you know, from the perspective of, you could say God, you could say the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, your higher self, however you think of that. And when you're in that perspective, you recognize that, um, you know, everything is just love. And so it's, it's really important to, um, to go into that state, I believe, in order to have the experience. Because as example, some clients would come in and they would sit down and they would be crying and talking about, you know, all the details of the issue that they're going through and really stuck in the quagmire of what it is, whether it's unforgiveness or conflict or a behavior or an addiction. And and I would just sit there and wait for them, you know, to finish saying what they would have to say and just say, okay, let's, let's go into hypnosis because there was nothing that I could say to them that would help them as much as them going into that state and connecting with their higher self, because that's where the resolution comes, you know, in that quietness, all things are answered. And so um, I think that this idea of guilt is behind everything. It's not just that you've done something to somebody. Of course, the miracle says that we are all living with unconscious guilt because of our belief that we've separated from God. And that is the true core behind all these other little guilt. And that's the um, core behind uh, the addictions and the nervousness and the fear. And if we can just get back, we can't do that through intellectualizing and through our conscious mind. But if we can step aside and we can get back somehow, and hypnosis is just, to me, a fast track of doing it. There's other ways. But if we can connect to that higher self, in that moment, we see the truth as we were talking about earlier. And then the healing process can begin. It's not ever going to come from your conscious mind or from intellectualizing something or somebody saying something to us, it's going to come from within ourselves. So you, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, to me, and I talk about it in my book, um, that guilt is at the root of every single issue that's going on collectively in the world and within our own lives. And if we can begin to heal that guilt within ourselves, we can begin to heal collectively as well. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I don't know if we still have our caller there with us, but I hope that that was the help you with your answer. That was wonderful. I want to just um, piggyback a little bit on that because we're almost out of time. We have about three, sure. less than three minutes left. You said something amazing. You said a lot of things amazing, and I was trying to keep up with you, but this was amazing to me, and I really want our listeners to hear this. Guilt is because we believe we have separated from God, and so we all know right and some deeper level of it is impossible to, to separate right but the the ego wants you know has believed that it's separated so just um you're saying that like really awaken in me like wow that's impossible so that allows us to to i guess move back away from that guilt and 
to see it but not let it become a part of us so i really wanted to come to that statement and then ask you this and i don't know if this is possible but you said in the beginning when we started our conversation today that you were saying these mantras and they just became a part of who you are is there a mantra that you could offer today um, for the collective and i know this is a very difficult thing so no is a full answer as well <laughs> but that people mm -hmm. could say you know I, I don't have a mantra i need some i'd like to have something something to replace that that doubt and that lack mantra that we're constantly running under the guilt mantra yes well um i would say if you're interested you uh a course in miracles the workbook lessons of a course in miracles every single one to me is a mantra and you start with the first lesson and you can find it on your app and you can open it up and you can just um, repeat that first lesson as a mantra. And that's the beauty to me of A Course in Miracles is it's very step-by-step -step guidance driven. So if, you're, if, you, if, if it speaks to you, you know, if you're interested in it, that's one way of doing it. Another thing is that you can say an affirmation. The most famous affirmation ever created was by a pharmacist like you, um, named Emile Qa, who um, was French, and I think it was like in the 1800s, and he was healing people by having them say, every day, in every way, I am getting better and better. Oh my goodness, do you know that is one of the things that I say, and I didn't even know where that came from. Every day, in every yeah. way, I'm getting better and better. I think we'll accept that. We're getting ready to run out of time, and I wanna tell you that you, have been such an inspiration to us today. I'm so happy that you were on our show. And truly, every day in every way, we are getting better and better. Thank you so much, Cynthia Morgan, for being part of the Everyday Peace family today. Thank you so much. So I want to say to our listening audience that today is a day in your life. I want to thank you for joining this tribe, being part of the Everyday Peace community and encourage you go forth live your life in this moment i absolutely love you we'll talk next week Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.